You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. All right, well, it is Palm Sunday, and we have, during this Lenten season, been preaching through our 1208 prayer initiatives. We're praying through these all year, and we kicked it off with Lent, and we're seeing a lot of these already um, start to produce some fruit. I'm excited to share with you some of the things that are happening. Brian even just shared um, our giving. Uh, We've been doing a lot of different giving initiatives. We're trying to surpass our bare bones budget of 65,000 and we're trying to pay off all our debt which is about 35,000. Now, uh, I'm just kind of eyeballing it. A lot of months, especially over the last year, we probably bring in somewhere around 3 to 5,000 dollars a month, which is not enough to really meet our our budget. On on low months it's more in like 3 4,000 range and better months than 5,000. Over this past month, we've been preaching on giving, and between outside donations, inside donations, donations to our um, um, our debt, I think this month we brought in like eight thousand dollars. Yeah, you you can clap for that. That's a that's a big deal for us. I know for a lot of people, it's like, oh, cool, now I can stop giving because things are going up. It went up because you went up. Uh, and there actually was a very large check that came in from outside of our church. Those come in from time to time. Those help sustain us. But those are uh, obviously those are from time to time. So with our debt, though, we've paid off uh, about $1,000 of the $35,000. Um, so we're excited that that has already been pushed into, that people are starting to give in that direction. And we love to encourage you to continue doing that. Obviously, we pay off debt early, interest rate. We don't have to deal with as much. Um, and so that's always a cool thing. Likewise, we've got uh, new deacons coming in. We have two new deacons at least, and we're waiting to hear from some others, but Brian and Kayla are going to be following the deacon track, which means they start as local ministerial candidates, and they start making their way towards deaconship over the next year or two. Um, And we might have some others who are interested as well. If you yourself have been like, I always felt called the ministry, but I don't want to be a pastor. Deacon might be the thing for you, so chat with me about that. And we could go on with some of these other ones too, but um, today we're going to wrap up our prayer initiative series while you continue to pray about these throughout the rest of the year. Every day at 12.08, there's a different theme, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Grab your paper, take a picture of it, hold it on your phone, make it your wallpaper, set your alarm for 12.08 every day, and keep praying for these because we're seeing the fruit. Um, But on... Uh, This final one that we're going to hit on is that the Spirit would show us tangible ways to serve our community. That the Holy Spirit would show us tangible ways to serve our community. The Holy Spirit does a lot of stuff in Scripture. He empowers us for ministry. We already did a, a lesson on spiritual gifts. He is God's presence with us. He lives inside of us. We become sacred space. Uh, But he also guides and directs us. The Bible calls him a good counselor. Uh, If you need wisdom, you go to the Holy Spirit and you ask for wisdom and he will give it to you. The Bible talks about his thoughts bubbling up in your heart. 
in your mind, just like your own thoughts bubble up in your heart and mind. And we want to be a spirit-led church. This is God's kingdom. This is God's bride. This is God's church. Jesus is the king of it. And it's a little ridiculous that a lot of times in the church, we act as though we're the ones in charge, we're the ones leading it, and Jesus can be stuck into our schedules and our ways of doing things. He needs to stand off to the side so we can get on with ministry. And that's painful. Even Jesus, when he, when he uh, sent the disciples to go and, and wait to start ministry, he did it because they needed the Holy Spirit first. He said, wait, go and wait until you are clothed with power from on high. If you want to do ministry, you want the Holy Spirit to be a part of it. And if you feel like ministry is burning you out, which we are all ministers, we're all royal priesthood here. If you feel like ministry is burning, burning you out, it may possibly be because you're doing it alone. Over the last few years, there have been times where I have just hit rock bottom. It's because I was going on my own fuel. And then there's other times where I should have hit rock bottom a long time ago, but Jesus has kept me fueled that whole time because I was pressing into what he was doing. But we want his guidance. Teach us how to do ministry in Jackson. How do we make it in Jackson as it is in heaven? How do we serve our community best? Because Jesus is interested in that. It's interesting that on Palm Sunday, when Jesus walks into the temple, you're expecting something crazy to happen. Because that's traditionally what's happened when God shows up in the temple. In the Garden of Eden, God just kind of walked around the cool of the day. He was there with them, his presence. In the first tabernacle, this what we call a glory cloud phenomenon. There happened throughout history, but it happens in the Bible a few times. This glory cloud, this thick, weighty cloud fills the tabernacle where Moses is. And that's God's presence coming and living among them. And if you fast forward to Solomon's temple, that same glory cloud comes in during this massive worship service. And the glory fills up the room so much that people can't even stand up to minister, the Bible says. Why would a cloud make you not stand up? Oh, glory is actually, like, straight translated can just mean weightiness or heavy. So God's glory has a certain weight to it. When he enters the room, suddenly the priests are falling over, which sounds very similar to Pentecostal services these days. When we get to the New Testament, we have this next temple that God has never shown up in a glory cloud. So we're wondering what it's going to be like when God maybe decides to ordain this place as the new center where he lives, where his presence enters in a glory cloud. But it never happened. Instead, what happens is Jesus is the glory cloud. He is the king. He is God. And they didn't recognize it, but the glory cloud on Palm Sunday got to Jerusalem and walked in. And you'd think, like, if you did catch on to it, it'd be like, oh, man, we're all going to fall over under the weight of of the presence of God here. This is the anointed one. This is, this is God's king. People have been talking about him. This is the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. What's going to happen when, when God shows up in the room? Oh, he flips tables. <laughs> the glory cloud walks in with hands and feet this time, and he sees the oppression that the religious people are putting on everyone. Jesus had accused religious leaders before of just being money hungry. He calls the Pharisees 
uh, uh, money hungry, more or less. That he sees in them that they have this drive. One scholar, Nicholas Perron, talks about uh, how the religious leaders were kind of like, uh, I don't know, like overpaid Borg executives, kind of like a, a mob type thing. Like they were making bank. And Jesus walks into this holy space. He's on the outside, which, if I remember right, is acres big. I mean, this temple was huge. This thing was, they were trying to outdo anything they had done before. You remember the disciples look at the temple from afar and they just say, look at the bricks they used to build that thing. (laughs) When a brick gets your attention, you know how big something is. So they've gone all out. You'd think the the presence of God might be happy in this glorious temple. That's, That's what we might think. And yet, God in flesh flips tables. He's in the court of the Gentiles. This is where people who aren't Jewish are supposed to be able to come and get close to God. They can't go further into the temple, but this is is the chance for them to get as close as they can until God paves another way. And Jesus walks into this space that's supposed to be reaching the outsiders, supposed to be reaching those that people would have considered sinners, those who who are the outcasts of society. Jesus walks into that place, And he sees people just being oppressed. They're making bank. They're trying to generate cash. Good thing churches don't live trying to just generate cash these days, right? (laughs) This coming from me who just spent a lot of time talking about money. (laughs) There's a difference between trying to thrive and then abusing people. But here we see Jesus walk in and he sees the blatant abuse that the religious world has become a machine. Good thing that doesn't happen today. Good thing our worship music doesn't sound like cash. Have you heard worship music that sounds like cash? No. Yeah. Cha-cha-ching. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, when you, I, I've talked about this before, but even when you look at worship music, if you can get your song played in every church, you can generate hundreds of thousands of dollars through copyrights. There is a machine piece of religiosity that can happen in so many things, hence why I'm rather discerning with the songs that we choose here, because there's more reason to write a worship song than to praise God. Jesus walks into that machine and starts flipping tables. His interest is on reaching the people that the religious world is shunning, is hurting, is abusing, is oppressing. Jesus' interest is on serving people around him. And so you constantly find him in the crowds trying to find the people who who need his touch, trying to heal them. And it burned him out. I mean, he falls asleep on a boat in the middle of a storm. You fall asleep in the storm the other night? Yeah? Yeah? Good. Did you fall asleep sitting outside in the storm? No. I mean, that's tired, right? Jesus is on a boat, rocking back and forth in a storm, waves splashing on his face. Nothing waking him up. He's that tired because he spends all this time serving people, listening to the Holy Spirit as to where he needs to go to serve people. 
He walks into one town. He serves a bunch of people. It was a successful ministry. Any one of us would be like, wow, we need to go back there and do that again tomorrow. That's exactly what the disciples were thinking. They went to Jesus and said, all right, sun is rising. Let's get back to town and do it again. And Jesus says, no, 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 we got to go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. We have successful ministry going on. Yeah, but I've been up all morning praying, listening to the Holy Spirit, and he wants me to serve elsewhere. So let's go serve somewhere else. And so they go, wondering why Jesus would toss away such a beautiful ministry opportunity. People loved him. People crowded around him. Let's do that again. That happened everywhere he went. He had to minister to people outside of his own capacity sometimes, where there were moments where he felt like he needed to get away, but the Bible consistently says instead he had compassion. He had compassion. He had compassion. He saw these people in need, and he had compassion. He saw that they were hungry, and so he fed them. He saw that they were sick, and so he healed them. He saw they had demons, and so he cast them out. Compassion, compassion, compassion. Jesus walks into the religious machine of the temple. The presence has entered, and it does not see compassion. It does not see service. It sees a money-generating machine. And so he flips tables. And yes, if Jesus walked into some of our churches today, he would flip tables again. Because he would see the same kind of money-generating machine that he saw when he walked into the temple. There's no heart there. There's oppression. When you look at the early church, they were trying very hard to not lean into that direction. When you look at the way the early church is described, it would have provoked in ancient times thoughts of like what philosophers, Greek philosophers, would have praised as utopia. It's what everybody's always wanted. We've always been looking for utopia. If, if even just America get, could get all of its ducks in a row and all of its laws right, then finally we would create utopia. And we thought we did with things like democracy. And so we started preaching things like this as utopia. In every century, somebody has preached utopia. But the ones who figured it out in the Bible was the early church. You would have heard the way that they were living. That if somebody was hungry, they would just fast so that you could have their food. You would have heard about how they were collecting money from everybody in the church, or, or at least... Uh, um, items from everybody in the church so that they could distribute it to those in need. Utopia. You know the story of Ananias and Sapphira? That's one we don't like to get into church very often. <laughs> you know what they were? They were the first disruption of Christian utopia. Where they walked in and they had the greed for the money-making religious machine where they could gain stature among everyone because somebody else gave all their land, gave the money away, and everybody really liked that. They looked generous. So they, did the, they pretended to do the same thing to get everybody's attention. And with that, the first like big Christian disruption to utopia came in. This beautiful thing that was, was taking care of the poor, where nobody was trying to raise themselves up against one another, but just just serve one another. These first Christians came and shook that whole thing up, trying to bring the old way of religiosity into the new way. And they certainly got a price for that that they were not expecting. And even when we read the story today, we're like, wow, that seemed a little intense. 
But Ananias and Sapphira make their way into our thinking in church all the time where we try to find ways to move up the ladder. Where pastors I know have had people come up to them and threaten, you don't want me to leave. Do you know how much I give here? Okay, that's called trying to buy the Holy Spirit. And Simon and Peter had some really intense words for Simon the magician when he did that. No, the utopia that the Christians had called everyone to service to one another. And they continue to follow that. They start preaching the gospel, and along the way, they, they realize there's some Hellenists who are very hungry within the church. There's some widows in this, uh, in this group, and they have no way to really generate income or generate food, and they're starving, and the church is missing them along the way. So the church actually creates like a whole ministry for it. They bring together a bunch of Christians and say, okay, these widows need food, uh, we need to take care of these Hellenists. And so they look around and they grab um, some, some of their Christian leaders and appoint them to oversee this. Now, in the church today, we look at something like that and we're like, oh, that's not glorious or that's not big time ministry or anything like that. Well, it's interesting. One of the first like ministries generated by the early church was a, how can we serve these widows? That's spirit led. They saw need. And they created something to try to take care of it. You follow it further, and God gave prophetic words to the early church, telling them that there was going to be a famine coming, and so they needed to prepare for it. And so they started generating what food they could to take care of the church. And while it seems like it's saying like they were trying to take care of one another, by all means, I'm sure if they saw pain anywhere, they were looking to take care of people in need. The early church was very much about service. In fact, when you get to the book of Revelation and you see that some of the church has grown cold, you see that God has really strong words for them. There's one church that God seems to give a, like a, a raving review to, and you're like, wow, these people really got it right. And then it ends very abruptly where God is like, you know what you don't do, though? You don't love like you used to. And most of us would be thinking, yeah, we don't always get that right. It's okay, God, we'll figure it out. But God's words are intense to them. You don't love like you used to. And if you don't get that together, I will take your lampstand from you. Your church that has been raised up as this powerhouse in your community will not be the powerhouse anymore if you don't stay on top of the love that you need to give. The church looked for places to serve, to love, and to show the love of God. Because when you love the least of these among you, you are loving Jesus. When you serve the homeless man on the street, you are serving Jesus. When someone knocks on your door and needs help and you're unsure at first what to do, you need to recognize that Jesus is standing in front of you in this moment. And so your response in some way should look Christian, should look Jesus-y. Because Jesus says, what you do for them, you do for me. And so our church needs to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will continue to guide us forward. He will continue to teach us not only how to do evangelism. He did that to the early church. Paul, all the time, was led by the Spirit to do evangelism rightly. 
When he went to the philosophers, he spoke to them in philosophical ways. He quoted their own poets to them. When he went to synagogues, he preached in ways that the Jews would understand. When he went to Gentiles, he preached to them in ways that the Gentiles would understand. And he was trying to follow the Spirit so he would know where to go. One time, he wanted to go and do ministry in one place, but he said the Spirit forbid him from doing it. And so he didn't. And he's trying to figure out, where am I supposed to go then? And he had a dream or a vision later. And in that dream, in that vision, he saw someone from Macedonia waving at him. He said, oh, I'm supposed to go to Macedonia and bring the gospel there. The way in which Paul served and loved was spirit-led. The way in which the early church listened and proceeded forward was spirit-led. So the question becomes, if we were to pause and listen to the Spirit in our daily lives, but also as a community, what would he say to us? What would he call you and your personal life to do to serve those around you, to get down and wash feet? And what would he say to us as 1208 Greenwood? That's kind of what we're chewing on right now as a board. Uh, We came to you a few weeks ago and we brought up uh, just some slips to vote on, asking you for phase two of our relaunch, what's the next thing we need to add in to do a little more service? Is it, is it another like monthly, bi-monthly, quarterly dinner church type thing? Uh, which that's one of the ways in which we can serve very well right now. Food stamps are changing for people since COVID has, has died down and people are getting hungry again. I'm getting a lot more calls to deliver food that we keep in our pantry to people people's houses and leave them there with them. That's because they're more in need of them now than they were. Uh, CMJ, who tells me where to deliver them, just the other day, like we got like nine calls just this morning sending people everywhere. That's somewhere to serve. Or is it through youth ministry? Or is it through all of these different things that we propose to you? We want God to teach us how do we reach the surrounding streets here around 1208 Greenwood. Our name is a location for a reason. We really feel a strong calling here to these people. Not to up and leave when times get tough, but to bear down all the more to love those around us. So let's take a minute as we close out here and pray. And go to Jesus, whatever that is for you, whether you're imagining him in a daydream, or you are just clearing your head so that you can try to listen. And here's the question to ask him. Jesus, you did not like the oppression of the poor. When you walked into the temple and flipped tables, you were making a strong statement. You rose up your church to take care of the poor and the outcasts and the Gentiles and the people outside of the church? How do I do that in my personal life? And how do we do that as a body? How do I serve in my personal life? And how do we do that better as a body? Jesus, we've talked about giving over the last uh, few weeks here. This one's not just giving of money or possessions, but it's giving of time. 
how cool it would be to be a church that, say, 50% of the meetings that we have and the giving that we take in could go to taking care of the people around us. How cool would that be? That people might see our good works. And see it as, as lights shining. Holy Spirit, you know what this community needs. And we could take a stab at a hundred different things. We know what this community needs in many ways. What we don't always know is how to best reach it. Where those bricks in the wall are that we can push out so that we can break through. But you do know. So, um, Holy Spirit, could I just ask that you would give us dreams over this next week? Dreams, visions, words. Speak to us. We're not even asking that you speak to us necessarily for ourselves. We're, we're trying to ask that you would speak to us so that we would know how to partner with you in ministry to a, a new level. About a year ago, you gave us a word that 1208 was uh, not done. But that renewal was coming. We want to see renewal in our service too, in our service to others. We want to see people come to you. We want to see not just their physical needs met, but their spiritual needs met. I want to see the single mothers that I've tried to help before who just can't get ahead over and over again and the machine keeps pushing them down, and there's just nowhere to move forward. I want to see them come to uh, a deeper, richer, fuller life, not just spiritually, but physically as well. I want to see their needs met, and I want to see it through the church. It's grown our hearts. Let each of us here remember we're not an island. That when someone comes to us with a need, it's not just... I'm the only one that needs to do this, but we're a body that take care of one another like the early church and their utopia did. Don't let us disrupt it with our Ananias and Sapphira ways. If we see tables that need flipping in ourselves, flip them. If we see tables that need flipping in our church, flip them. Teach us, grow us, and bring us closer to you. We thank you. You are our king. We submit to you and your reign. There is no other reign outside of you. So may all of the things we do bring you joy, even when it clashes with this world. And may your kingdom come, your will be done, in Jackson as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we love you very much. Thanks for joining us this Palm Sunday. Next Sunday is Easter. Remember to bring a dish to pass if you can. A few quick things are going on during the next hour. If you need prayer, Joel will be up in our spare oom, that big room up there. Kids' room in the back has children's ministry. Normally here in the sanctuary is an adult Bible study, but we're on pause for one more week. Two more weeks. Two more weeks. Uh, after Easter, we're going to start a new book club of sorts. Carl, can you raise that book up for me? See this book? Politics of the Cross. 
You want to talk about hot topics? You want to talk about politics and the Bible and the church? Mark Edwards is ready for you. And uh, one of the church's biggest problems with politics is that they don't talk about it, which has created a weird conundrum that we have. This book's great. Uh, I love it. I've read the whole thing. And it's very unique, especially for a Catholic uh, to have written such liberally conservative ideas <laughs> just to really mess with your head. So this book will challenge you. Join that Bible study. But if you need a copy, talk to Mark so that we can kind of take orders for you and things like that. Warming rooms, the cleaning team, and then pantry over here. Shantae. Shantae's back here. If you need food or clothes or toiletries, talk to Shantae. She'll hook you up. All right, we love you. We'll see you soon. Or stick around with us over this next hour as we hang out. Thanks.